0: Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family, welcome to Know Your Aura with Mystic Michaela today. Talking about loss and grief. How I have seen throughout my readings, how different people deal with it, how it's nuanced in aura color and my specific take on it. But first, hey Scotty.
1: Hey guys. Well, speaking of grief. Yeah. Let, let, I have to say this before we even get started today. Yeah. Okay. You know, I was living my life. I know. Everything was great. I was feeling good. Yeah. You know.
0: You drink, were high vibe. High vibing. And yeah. I was drinking my green juice. Yes. You started drinking green yeah, juice. Yeah. My
1: spiritual awakening was in full
0: swing. You're juicing. You're vibing. I'm juicing. <laughs> I
1: got my angel numbers book. I'm reading that. Number yeah. 41 was big for me. Yeah. You know, me and Phoebe are kind of.
0: you guys are making amends. We're making amends. It's weird. Yeah.
1: Of, we have discussion groups and one of the moderators, Shenya, pulled 41, number 41 from your angel numbers book. Yeah. And it fit perfectly. The fight me and Phoebe have been having. I know. And now I understand her. I think she actually told her to pull it.
0: It's super weird. It's super weird. So yeah. like I'm
1: all into this. I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah. You know, shadow work. I'm doing everything's good. There's and meaning then, to
0: life. There's meaning to life. Yeah,
1: exactly. Meaning. All right. Let's put it that. Meaning yeah. to life. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. That is what I was getting at. And then <laughs> a bunch of greens. No, seriously. A bunch of greens <laughs> decide that they are going to show us images from the James... <laughs> Web space telescope, right? Okay? You know they come out with these images. They're everywhere. You can't escape them. They're
0: everywhere. You know,
1: here I was. I was seriously. I was drinking my coffee. Yeah. At, at like seven o'clock at night, like I always do. People yeah. ask how I can do that, but I can, and still fall asleep at eleven. Um, and you come over and you tell me to turn on the TV. I'm
0: like, watch, watch like, Lester Holt. Watch
1: Lester Holt, the <laughs> nightly news. Like, watch it. And there it is.
0: Panic attack like everyone else and i think lester holt was even like hey for you space nerds and like pretty cool huh and you're just your face just fell you because on episode 115 scott went more into this he's horrifically he can't go to planetariums he it's too much that he doesn't understand and it makes him question his purpose here yeah (laughs) it's just a big existential crisis I, i mean after i my mouth is still open because, I don't even know what we're looking at okay. with these photos. I
1: had, well, I had to research it. Okay. And I don't know. I still don't. I'm not green, so I still don't know what we're looking at.
0: Yeah. But uh, <laughs> a, a lot of indigos work at NASA too. I have to say.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I got this a has shout green,
0: out to the indigos. This has
1: green written all over. Okay. It. okay. <laughs> all right. You know, first these greens come up with Instagram and TikTok, and now this. Okay. Now they're this. just ruining my they're life. They're big the fancy ruining, cameras. The greens are ruining my life. Okay. <laughs> Um, all right, so what what are we looking at? We yeah. were looking at um, nebulas. Okay. I think the Carina Nebula. All right. Okay. Cosmic cliffs and valleys. Ooh. Now, let me explain to you. This image yeah. that we saw of these you know, these uh, cosmic cliffs and valleys, I guess. Yeah. They stretched. in Like, you see the picture. Yeah. I don't know. Most people probably have seen that picture. There's like four pictures. Yeah. Right. This was like one of the big ones. Okay. okay. It stretched seven... Light years and height.
0: What does that mean?
1: Okay, do you know what? I had to look no. up what that meant. Okay. Oh, <laughs> take a guess how much a light year is in I miles. I
0: don't know.
1: Take, like, take a guess.
0: Uh, Rando guess. Seven million. I don't even know what a light year is. What's a light year? <laughs> it's like
1: a distance. <laughs> It's like, it's like, I didn't know either. I don't I, I'm, know. I, I'm lying if you think I knew what it was before I looked it up. I
0: don't know what a light year is or does. Is okay. that like how long it takes it's light a, to travel? Yeah, you, the
1: speed of light to travel. I so
0: zoned out during these parts of my life okay. when I was supposed to be learning well, these things. one light
1: year okay. is roughly approximately 6 trillion miles. Okay. For our Canadian fans, I think that's about <laughs> nine <laughs> 9 trillion kilometers. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, and this is seven of them. So you're you're talking seven times six, 42. forty two. I'll do the math for you. Forty two <laughs> trillion miles, just the height of that thing. Oh, it's big. That's bigger than the Grand Canyon. Okay. Well,
0: yeah, even bigger than that. <laughs>
1: yeah, of course. Yeah. Like the Grand Canyon is probably
0: that's like nothing. A couple
1: miles. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then the so thing that they were, okay. yeah the, now they were looking at the northwest corner of the Carina Nebula, which is and the thing they're looking at is seven thousand six hundred light years. From Earth, so do seven thousand six hundred yeah. times six trillion, approximately six know. trillion.
0: How far away is that's that? A that's a
1: gazillion. That's a gazillion. A gazillion, I think. So yeah,
0: when I hear stuff like that, my mind just is like, uh, it just deflates. Like I can't even compute it. Yeah, and so. So why does this depress you? Okay, so
1: so far away. Yeah, well, let me get to that. Okay, so this was a NASA administrator, Bill Nelson. Am not even looking up? Green. Uh, we just know. <laughs> and this was a quote from him.
0: I think you have a green baby, you name him Bill Nelson. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Like, that's a green baby. We're gonna name you Bill Nelson. Bill, okay.
1: If you held a grain of sand, a grain of sand on the tip of your finger at arm's length, mm-hmm. that is the part of the universe you are seeing. Oh, you're just saying that much. One little speck of the universe. Wow. And what we saw was and in that speck yeah. was like galaxies upon galaxies upon galaxies. It blows my mind
0: i always wonder how small-minded people deal with that
1: okay so let me (laughs) (laughs) explain
0: by small-minded i mean people that really think like i guess like like when people are uh, think god hates you because you're gay or something and then and then there's like that okay it's like why like that's where i go
1: okay you go that way yeah
0: i'm like there's so much like do you think he really if you know that would really like anything matters like that like do you really think like like that somebody's watching that closely or cares about these things that us humans have made into such a thing right you know like that perspective should alleviate all our 3d problems well okay in a it way should. it could
1: yeah <laughs> i mean you could okay
0: that's how i think about right. it like, the like realm- wow we should all stop fighting <laughs> like this is I- bigger
1: yeah, I guess it is a route, like, you can take, like, you know, you see some like, we've been through, the, we've talked about stuff like this before, yeah. like, you know, you see someone who has it all or whatever, and they're so great, but really, what are they? They're a speck of cosmic dust in, you know, on the edge of a fingertip, just, a yeah. grain of sand, you're yeah, nothing, yeah. you're, you are nothing.
0: Yeah, I find like comfort if, in that. Yeah,
1: and if you think you're something, you're not, you're nothing. Yeah, but
0: you're, I find such comfort in that, and you, yeah. you find such fear in that.
1: Okay, so, again, I don't want to have a panic attack on the air.
0: Right.
1: Uh, I had my panic attack a few days ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, when we watching Lester
1: Holt. I, I guess, okay, so the problem that I have with it is like, all right, so now that I am am spiritually awakened and I do believe in all this stuff,
2: mm-hmm.
1: how do we put that, like, I guess like what you were saying is like, okay, so like really what, if there's, if we're just like the speck of dust or whatever, yeah. speck of sand, what does it matter, like what I do, like like the universe actually would care. My spirit guy. Why do my spirit guys even care? I'm just this dust. Uh, you're stack. having
0: an existential crisis. It's insane.
1: I can't handle it.
0: But because we're human and our egos rule us, we think like we're the end all be all focal point well, of anything. And, well,
1: no. And I don't. And think we're not that because I just gave us numbers. No, where, but that's where
0: you're coming from. Yeah. Like, when you say, what does it matter? It's like, exactly. Like in the not mattering the way you think it, does you actually matter in a better way i mean that's how i see yeah. it
1: but how could like there be trillions and trillions and i didn't even know the numbers they don't probably don't even know the numbers because it's of miles away and and like there's something going on there
0: obviously. well i thought it was cool because they said we definitely will find a livable planet like well, these are hardcore practical well, straight-up scientists they are like Yep, yeah, we're gonna find a planet that could host well, life similar to what we know well it would have to be
1: because yeah like if like just you know, for, let's go green here, for like your Star Wars people,
0: that a galaxy, galaxy far away,
1: that's one galaxy. And yeah. this guy, and these they're telling us there's as many galaxies as there's grains of sand. Yes. So how could we obviously be the only planet that has living things on it? It would be impossible. It oh, would have 100%. To be, yeah. Because even if, let's say, 0. 0.00001 mm-hmm. and point zero 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 one in kilometers for our Canadian listeners, <laughs> there have life on them right so there has to be oh I or thought, something you know i you see it would be impossible not to
0: so like if we're making that leap
1: yeah i'm taking that leap
0: okay to the to the extraterrestrial thing right. like i feel yeah. <laughs> that a hundred percent i think we're really behind actually that our little cute telescope out there like cute you know that's <laughs> right. cute you got right, your little right. telescope right. and take little pictures right i feel like if you were to map us out like we're like the new world you know what I mean? Like, we're so, right. we're just barely coming along with our technology. I feel like there's other civilizations that already have their eye on us. Right. I feel like 100%, like, we're, we're I feel like we, we're out of the way or something. I don't know what that means. I always felt uh, like we're just out of the me. way. You scared me. So, we're kind of like a harder spot to get to. And I, the only way I can think of it in my own mind is kind of like, you know, back in Europe in 1492, we're just a harder, you know, if you're going okay. to the new world, you're a harder spot to get to. So,
1: so you're saying we're kind of like Nome, Alaska.
0: Yeah, we're just kind like of far like away. So I feel like that's kind of saved, not, maybe not saved us or um, kind of made it more difficult for other life forms to pay more attention to us. Because I don't think we're a convenient stop off.
1: Okay. Or something. Yeah, because like, you know. You wouldn't want to go. Yeah,
0: I think we're an out of the way stop off, but they know we're here, right? And they definitely have their eye on us. And I think the stuff that we see, or people say they see, or or like now it's come out, UFO reports are just government are issuing them now. I feel like those are just maybe um, the scouters or something, Mm -hmm. just keeping an eye real quick. Just do do do. Here we go. Bye. You know, get put put some stuff down, grab it, move, take their measurements, whatever they're doing, and. A hundred percent. I feel like we're just catching on.
1: All right. And then we have like, you know, the star seeds, Keanu Reeves, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he probably came from the Karina Nebula. How did he get here so
0: fast? you know did he We're all just energy. Okay. So So like when you pass and you go to the other side, I mean I feel like a lot of times you can pick which way you're coming back. Okay. And um this is where it gets real woo woo kind of out there but I feel like a lot of us a lot of our energies have chosen earth and ener- like an earth life because this is like a particular learning experience different than mm-hmm. other forms of life I feel like we're all kind of starseed stuff and it's just that this particular earth cycle or whatever might be some sort of an institution that we're choosing to stay in longer for some sort of higher okay. soul purpose or something so
1: what you're basically telling me <laughs> is I could pass come back in the Carina Nebula on one of the trillions and trillions of galaxies, and then this telescope could take a picture and I could be waving on that planet. Like, <laughs> I, don't,
0: I think of it as like, honestly, because we're human, and this is just where I'm at. Oh my gosh. We've, because we have these brains that are biological and limited in a lot of ways, we've said, okay, you know, what's high vibe, what's low vibe, what's good, what's evil, what's God, what's devil, like what's all, like these these duplicities we have all over it's just our way of tr- interpreting you're you losing look I, you look totally disinterested no, like, I, no it's energy not, around us no it's not
1: that. i'm depressed
0: it's not depressing it's awesome mm. it's like liberating you know what it's like go do stuff well, and who I'm gonna,
1: look, cares and i'm gonna tell you that that's exactly right because look for the past week my decision making is way off. and I'm, I'll wait to the <laughs> end of the show to tell you why. Because like, it just doesn't matter anymore when there's all these trillions and right. gazillions of galaxies. But so right, other
0: but- people are really excited about those photos. Over right. here, it's just like big existential crisis. Yeah,
1: big depression. All right. So again, all right. So let's move on. We have a couple of ads. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, how different celebrities have dealt with loss and grief
0: now a word from our sponsor better help you've just heard scott he's having a lot of anxiety and stress i mean you think about all the times your mind runs away with you when you get upset or, or stressed and and you know there's ways that you need to take care of your mind if you think about it how well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one your entire life well that's how our brains work so better help online therapy is a great way to support your healthy brain I personally have worked with Better my BetterHelp counselor for a while now. She is absolutely always there for me, um responds quickly and I do the phone conferencing, so I don't have to see anybody. I can just talk on the phone and she can talk on the phone with me and it just gives me clarity and it centers me. BetterHelp is online therapy. It offers video, phone, even live chat only therapy, which some people like that sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's Much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. It's very quick, and the the app is very responsive. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash K-Y-A. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash K-Y-A. My family has been eating Catalina Crunch cereal for a while now. Personally, the Cinnamon Toast is my fave. And I like it in the morning. I like it at night when I'm just really feeling hungry. Um, It's a great snack. And I like all the flavors. It's just cinnamon toast is my go-to. There's variety packs too. So you can give a few or all of them a try. And my kids eat it too. My husband eats it. We all eat it. I like how crunchy it is. I love that you can add in yogurt or fruit or whatever you want. It just satisfies that craving with that crunch, but without any added sugar. It's low carb. It's high protein, zero sugar. I feel really full for a long time after I eat it. It's made with clean ingredients. There's nothing artificial in Catalina Crunch cereal. You can taste for yourself by over 10,000 customers, including me, rate Catalina Crunch five stars. They've got eight crave-worthy flavors to choose from. The Cinnamon Toast, my fave, Dark Chocolate, which I love when I'm really having a chocolate moment. Chocolate, peanut butter, chocolate banana, honey graham, fruity, maple, waffle, and mint chocolate. Every flavor is delicious on its own, but you can mix them together for some truly mouthwatering combos. Kids like to do, my kids like to do that. Every flavor is delicious on its own, but try just mixing them together like that and, and see what you think. Not sure which flavor to try first. We'll grab a variety pack and try them all at once, but don't be surprised if you fall in love with all of them. So see why Catalina Crunch is the fastest growing cereal brand in America. Just go to CatalinaCrunch.com K-Y-A for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. That's Catalina crunchcom slash K-Y-A. Not sure which flavor to start with? Well, try a variety pack and check out their delicious cookies and snack mixes while you're at it. Again, that's CatalinaCrunch.com slash K-Y-A for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Hey, Scotty.
1: Hey, guys. Look, I, I mean, I just want to say, look, <laughs> if you didn't get enough likes <laughs> on your Instagram post today, and I know there's someone listening that didn't get enough likes. They wanted more. Just know that there's trillions of miles <laughs> to the Carina Nebula.
0: I have a feeling the kids are going to be hearing this a lot. They are, and Especially they're going
1: to be pre- like, "Yeah, she's pre- <laughs> at that age, you know. She really cares, like, yeah." She- and she even told me, like, Aww. she's, you know, she like we're in. Uh- she's in middle school. Yeah, she's in middle school, and we were in. The- and we will get to the segment in a second. And we were in the uh, grocery store the other day, and she was really happy. And I said, "Oh, why are you so happy?" And she said, "Oh, because my." preppy video on tiktok did real well yeah and you know whatever i don't know what that means i got like a few hundred <laughs> likes or whatever and then like other times i was like well why are you depressed and then she won't tell you and then later on she'll be like well my prep video Isn't didn't that get awful? that much and that's horrible i know and especially with there being trillions and zillions of miles but all right i know all right so we picked out a few celebrities we picked out three mm-hmm. uh lizzo luke bryant mm-hmm. and cameron boys and we're we're going to talk about their stories in aura color. And there are stories of grief and loss. So we'll start with Lizzo. Okay. Right, I'll give a little. I did a little research. I'll, oh. I'll give the background, and of course, you're going to do the
0: Lizzo resident Lizzo historian yes. Scott.
1: Yes, I'm a actually historian <laughs> of Lizzo. She was born in 1988 in Detroit. Her name was Melissa Jefferson. Okay. okay. There you uh, go. Very good. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know what her name was. Yeah, that was just Lizzo. You like
0: baby Lizzo? Who, who knew it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> we had a baby, right? We
0: had that, right?
1: Yeah. And, and believe it or not, she was a cl- uh, trained in the flute. She's classic classic, uh, what do you call that, a flutist? Floudist? Floudist? Flutist. Flutist. Something like that. Doesn't matter because, like you said, the university. She is does so big. play
0: the flute sometimes yeah. in her concerts. I've seen this. Okay.
1: okay. So um, <laughs> she grew up in Detroit. She moved at the age of 10 to the city of Houston.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And at age 20, 21, depending on the site you go to, I think it's 21, but I've seen a couple of sites that said 20 as well. Her father died, oh. and she dropped out of college. Yeah, and this was kind of, I guess, a turning point in her life. Um, she, and this comes actually, I'm going to give this from her. In, she had an Instagram post, mm-hmm. so this this is coming from her Instagram post uh, in 2009.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So 2000 or about 2009. 2009 was the year my dad died. The year I had had to live in my car and cried myself to sleep on Thanksgiving. Oh. Again, the post didn't come out in 2009. It was about 2000. Yes, yes. I yes. apologize. Um, her dad died
0: in 2009. Yeah. And she's talking about that. Correct.
1: Yeah. Uh, she said in the, in the post, no hope, no plan, nothing. Yeah. And then it goes on to say in 2019, 10 year, a decade later, she had a number one song, uh, number one album. And she wrote to her mama that, you know, I can buy you a house That's now. so sweet. Which sweet. It was really sweet, actually. Yeah. And uh, so I thought that was really sweet. Got brought out the blue in me.
0: Right, um,
1: and all right. So let's let's talk about this in aura color and how the, these colors handled it. Yeah,
0: and I'm going to talk about this, um, and you know, next after this, more specifically. But like, I have a picture of Lizzo at that time. Okay, and Lizzo's always very purple. She got a little blue, but she's always very, very purple. And I'm looking at her picture right from 2009 when all this went down, and her purple. Like, if I saw this at the, t- I'd be like, oh, that's okay, <laughs> you know, like simmer down, purple, um, because purples with that shade when I see it it's you just don't know what's happening it's like a boiling ready to burst pot like a steamer pressure cooker and because she's purple it probably could have gone either way um and it looks like what happened is she decided to just throw herself in her art and give herself over a hundred percent even in ways that were uncomfortable I'm gonna live in my car I'm gonna be really sad I'm going to cry, I'm going to do this, but I'm also going to take the shots and I'm going to, I think she, that's when she put a lot into her career and she just like did things and just went for it and took charge and, and it's interesting how she took that purple because purples, when they're grieving, have a tendency to want to make themselves feel better by hurting themselves. It's just the way that she did it. might have been more like, uh, you know, all the uncomfortable things she had to do to put herself out there. Like, how uncomfortable is that to go, uh, you know, I'm going to form this band. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to stick my neck out 4,000 times and get it chopped off 3,999 times because rejection and all that stuff that maybe she wouldn't have dealt with before felt okay because she was already hurting and i think if you're purple you might understand that a little bit i get it okay you know when something's you just have that pain and you so hard you're going to feed it you got to feed it you got to feed it sometimes with more pain but the pain that she fed it with helped her career now I think she still deals with a lot of probably purple side effects, you know. Um, that's why she. But it's a it's a double edged sword because she writes such beautiful music that gets us. Okay. I mean her lyrics. So so anyway. So all right. So in the two thousand nine photo, it's all purple. Oh yeah, it's to- just it, total purple. But I'll tell you, yes. And no we, no secondary color? It's so it's like just, I it's just I'm like scared about you purple. Like are you okay? Like if I somebody, I'm like like you kind of want to handle her with kid gloves like that. Okay um
1: And you were right, actually. She did move, I think, to the Twin Cities at that time. Okay. Did get into all these different bands, yeah. And she was making a lot of headway up there. I mean, yeah. and that's got to be hard to do. I mean, I, you don't think of the Twin Cities—I don't know—as like music town, right? Yeah. Even Detroit, you would think more music town, yeah. town yeah, um, um, yeah, you know? yeah, I don't even know the scene. Yeah, yeah, I don't even mean, know. That's impressive. That's yeah.
0: crazy impressive. Now, because she actually, I just watched her on the Today Show, and you did too. Yes. <laughs> for the morning concert series. She's still purple, she's always very purple to me, but it's mute it's like less. I is mean, she, is she
1: still just one color? No, she's
0: got blue in there, okay, too, but she's always just like a lot of purple and then but it's not as like the shade isn't as like bright or in in your okay. face or what it still is, but it feels listen, I think Lizzo walks the line with her um, with that, and it's just something that we like and she puts it in her music that's why you get such a feeling when you listen to her music because she puts herself in that and sometimes artists that do that you're like man I feel that
1: okay do you often and just going back to the 2009 photo do you often see someone that is total purple if I was doing
0: a reading like if I saw this picture of her let's say it's somebody's niece or something I'd be like oh no she needs help I'd be like reach out what's going on something's happening here like ASAP (laughs) So I, ha- I do see people like this and I and spirit gives me such an, like, I want to mother them or I worry about them or, you know, they same, need assistance. But that
1: same purple that was like, whoa, you need help here. Also was the catap- catapult. That, that's,
0: that's why it's, it's complicated because that could have gone no, either way. Red, right. Like sometimes I'll see people like that. It's like, who are they talking to? Like, but I'll tell you this with her dad. Oh, cause I took a picture of her dad. Okay. And her dad is so red. He's red blue. Okay. Like you. <laughs> and her dad's energy is so strong that I feel like he was guiding her and his memory. Like she could never have hurt herself because she wouldn't do that to dad's memory, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Because she's... she. And and purples can channel really well, so she probably like really channeled dad. She's like, I can't make that choice in a bad bad way because dad, daddy wouldn't have appreciated that. Yeah, I'm not doing that because that would negate all his years of hard work raising me, right or whatever. So I feel like that his energy and his goodness and just his love for her stayed with her and guided her energy towards. Towards things that benefited her, even though they were probably super uncomfortable and, and yeah. still
1: tough. And that's, that's interesting because the Red Blues always talk to me. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the Red Blue Dads always talk to me. I know. And it's weird because Lizzo is not someone I would usually – because usually I, I do the background for mm-hmm. this and pick out the celebrities that we're going to do and then run them by you to make sure – it works, and Lizzo not one that I would usually pick. That's like like one of the first. I mean, no, not, no, no, no offense to her. It's anything. not. You're
0: not running around town listening to your Lizzo tunes, right? It's just not you. But that one, it's really, okay.
1: It really spoke to me. Really? Yeah. Oh my and, God, her dad is such yeah. a great
0: look. See, so, this is his picture.
1: Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah.
0: Isn't he sweet? He yeah. could just tell he's a good dad. Yeah.
1: And, and she and yeah. All right. All right. All right so that's Lizzo. All right, yeah, I'm gonna move on here. All, All right. right. All right, excellent. All right, so next one we we have is Luke Bryan. Yeah. Country singer. Uh, he's also a judge on American Idol. Okay. So I'm also a Luke Bryant historian as oh, well.
0: E- excellent. Bryant. I had no idea. Yes.
1: He grew up in <laughs> rural Georgia, you know, on a farm. He okay. was a farmer. Um and he, he now this guy's had a lot of tragedy. Mm. There's a lot of tragedy here. Let me go through some. Uh, he first he lost his older brother Chris. His Chris died at 26. Mm. The year was 1996, and uh, Luke himself was 19 at the time, and it was just a car a car accident. Mm. Okay, Uh, he then went through uh, other tragedy. His sister Kelly died in 2007. She was 39 at the time. They don't know the cause, natural cause. They don't don't even know. 39 years old.
0: It's like a mystery. Died. She had uh,
1: they. She had three kids. Still Mm -hmm. has three kids. Right. Okay. Um, Kelly's husband, Lee, died seven years later. Stop. So he was 46 when he died.
0: Oh, my so God. So
1: Lee was raising the kids, the three kids, on his own. Oh, my God. And then he died of a heart attack. Oh, my uh, seven God. Seven years after the death of Luke's sister, Kelly. Oh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is just filled with tragedy here. Um, and and then Luke uh, adopted the kids. They were a little bit older. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have the ages down I think 13, 16, and 20 are coming to my, okay. my brain. I'm not sure. One boy and two girls. Okay. Um, so th- that's basically the backstory there. So at 19.
0: Wow. His uh, poor mom.
1: Yeah. Unbelievable, right? At 19, Luke was kind of getting ready to go to Nashville. That's okay. What what, that's what country people do, right? When you're, yeah. you turn 19, you, you go to Nashville. <laughs>
0: that's like what we think. <laughs> yeah. You go yeah. To
1: Chris Stapleton <laughs> did the same thing. Okay. All right. So he was about to go to Nashville, and then the brother dies in this car accident. Oh. So he he doesn't go. You mm-hmm. know he he remember he's rural Georgia. He's on a farm. Yeah, he feels that's his his he's place, 19. and there's probably yeah. nothing you could have told him at that time right. to say otherwise. And he and he delays it for four years. He goes to college uh, in Georgia, Georgia, Georgia Southern University, and actually that is where he meets his wife. Wow, divine timing, right? Yeah, divine, divine, timing. divine timing. If he go if he goes to Nashville, and never meets yeah. his wife. Uh, Caroline.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and they would never get married. And then he never has, he had two kids, he has two kids with her as well. Okay. So, um, and and basically then after the four years isn't the last part. And then I'll let you, you run with it. His dad actually convinces him after four years to go to Nashville.
0: Um,
1: and he, and he says this, he says to his son, this life will always be there. Okay. You know, the, the farm farm, life, I guess.
0: Right. You gotta try something new.
1: And again, I watched some interviews that Luke did. I think it also was for the Today Show. Uh, where he really talks about seizing the moment, mm. where you you know you just have this, and kind of fits into the whole. This whole thing is fitting into it, yes, where with the universe, it's like you just have this. That's all you got. Is you it? know, you, you, you just have this gonna, one moment. You have this moment. You're yeah. gonna do it or or not, or and if you don't do it, you got to at least try. Right. You, you know, so that's what he's all about, and okay. he seemed like an incredible. I mean, I don't know him personally. Yeah, you're not he, driving he,
0: around listening to Luke Bryan no, music I don't either. No, not Luke Bryan
1: either. And this story <laughs> really came to me too, and I'm like, wow, we really—I I, want to do this one. And I mean, he seems incredible from the outside. Maybe you can give us some insight.
0: Yeah, so I, I got—I just grabbed a couple pictures of him. I got him as like a little kid, and now I mean, he's yellow blue. Okay. So. Like my dad. Yeah, he's very blue, um, with yellow so when i look at him so it kind of makes sense with the whole grieving and loss thing again i'm going to go into this more uh, later blues want to be there for other people so i can't i can imagine just looking at him like you know his brother dies here's the farm everyone you know he doesn't want to cause one more issue in the family by going off and trying something it just doesn't feel authentic or correct or right to him he wants to stay consistent and normal and easy breezy for his mom and dad and sister probably at that time um and when i when i look at him he's just a really do-gooder type guy like that's important to him and i have pictures of his parents too and they're like very i mean salt of the earth people mom is actually green blue dad looks he looks green blue too so i mean they're all they're not real i feel like family first but also selfless so their family they've poured themselves into each other so him wanting to go do something like, all right, I'm going to make a career because I'm talented and I really want to find, follow that passion might have felt selfish to him until dad gave him permission to do it. Right. And when dad gave him permission to do it, then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I can do it because dad said I could. And I think that's important for us all to remember that, to look around who needs permission from you. Even if you don't think you need to give them permission, there might be somebody around, especially if they're blue and yellow, who kind of they, they're the ones that want to do the right thing all the time. Time and and they're never going to call attention to themselves. Like maybe we have to notice them and be like, no, you know, you're allowed to do that and it's okay. We'll be okay. Um, but yeah. So, and, and he married, I'm just, I have a picture of him and his wife too, Caroline, she's yellow purple. And she feels like she, and I don't know much about them myself, but I feel like they handle celebrity, celebrity life pretty well. Like very like, and it's her too. Like he's got a lot of those, family value kind of like family first and all that and i feel like she's really good at putting boundaries around the family uh privacy and things like that protecting him a little bit because he is blue so she might have to tell him sometimes like hey you you don't have to be nice right now it's okay like that i feel like she's good at setting them up and they're a good partnership yeah
1: and she also actually i think a few years back i i I don't have the the information on this, she also lost a niece. Oh my God. And they, did, they started a foundation in her name. Oh, wow. Um,
0: They've had a lot of loss they together. had a
1: lot of loss. I know. And I, I kept going through, I'm like, no, this can't be like, yeah. how, you know, every time you, like I went further, deeper down, it was like another loss, another loss. And then you're like, wonder how the, you know, how does he deal with it? And it's.
0: Yeah. I feel like yeah. how he deals with it is he tries yeah. to put his best foot forward for the people around him and be stable and patriarchal and all that type. Yeah. Of yeah. thing. Yeah, he, he seems like a really nice person, no, but, he does. It, but yellow people, he's yellow too. And yellows, when they deal with loss. It's kind of like, uh, well, all right, let's be practical. How can I help you? Uh, they don't always think about themselves. They just try to be like a stable foundation for other people, which I feel like that's his thing.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. The third, the third one that I chose was Cameron Boyce. Yeah. Okay. He was a, um, a Disney star and I, Knew of him, not you know, not personally, but I knew him from because the kids loved the. Uh, I think it was Descendants. 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 Mm-hmm.
0: And, and he's he, grown and up He was in the show
1: <laughs> Grown Ups. and we, That's like a movie here that we always know, we we watch. Think, like it's just we watch it. We
0: just find it very funny.
1: Yes. <laughs> and so I, I remember when he died because the kid, the kids had told me. Yeah. And you know, it was really really sad. And let, let me just give a little backstory on this one because this one uh, goes back a little bit why I picked it. And you know, at the time I'm like, all right, you know, maybe I should. Reach out, you know, without you knowing. I said maybe I should just reach out to the family, see, you know, you're a medium, maybe they would need help in this time of grief, whatever. And I was writing uh, an email, I think, to the the foundation at the time. And Abby, I think she was probably around three or four years old. I'm just writing it, doing my thing. She's doing her thing, and all of a sudden, she just shouts out, Cameron, out of nowhere, just. Out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, it freaked you out.
1: And I got freaked out. I never actually sent the email because I got so freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> I got so freaked out. So, yeah, so that, again, so I'm like, all right, let me come back to this one. Let, let, me, let me see what happened there. So let me do a little research. Now, he, he had epilepsy. He died at, I think he was age 20. I think he died at 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, July the 6th. And he had this ongoing mental con- condition. I don't know when he was diagnosed, but he had, he had it for a while. They, you know knew of it um his co-stars and people that knew him always called him an old soul and i've heard you use that term before and could you just define what that is again That's I'm just not sub- sure i myself. mean
0: and he has like a, a very um deep blue and purple aura and just kind of somebody who's very sensitive aware of other people's feelings connects emotionally to other people and feels like they've been here before like just um mature for his years okay yeah
1: all right and so again I I looked at it and then I showed you the picture of the mom and the dad and you got you know I want to say you almost got a little frightened when you saw the picture of the mom yeah like from her energy yeah now so let's start with them the mom and the dad what what are their colors and what's going on
0: yeah so I guess I'll like a little backstory again between me and you oh yeah sure (laughs) because like Um, you're all right. So for everybody listening, Scott's always, you know, you're, this has been a thing. It's like touchy or something because you've wanted me to reach out to them. And I always feel stressed. And that's because when I look at the picture of, of his mom, I feel like she's not receptive or something to it. And the last thing I'd ever want to do is look like, I don't know, I'm, I don't want to bother anybody, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I mean, and the only reason why is because when how would Abby have just said Cameron in the middle of nowhere when she was four?
0: I know. With no prompt. I know.
1: And that that's that's why it's kinda of maybe weighed on me a little. Yeah, when, so, because,
0: so but we're doing it now. So anyway, so mom okay, so mom she is three colors, and I think what happened am looking at her picture um, now is she was purple blue, but she wears such a very convincing red. It's like an inauthentic red. So I, when I look at mom, she has dealt with this. I feel like by throwing herself into the foundation, like Cam- the foundation for children, that is because of Cameron and what he wanted and. And to extend his philanthropy further and to help further causes that are important to him and that. So in pure red form, um, and I'm going to talk about this, I feel like she got really passionate. And I also just get this feeling of, and this is not me judging, it's just a feeling I get. And again, I don't know any of this. I'm a psychic. This is just my energy interpretation. I have no actual information on this. I just have to put that out there. But I feel like she's pissed off. And who wouldn't be? I get it. But like I feel like she's very angry and I don't know if she's angry at herself or the situation or life isn't fair or just something. But I get that feeling inside of her and it doesn't feel like it has a lot of places to go. So that's why I don't you know I've always been like hesitant to kind of DM or reach out because like, oh, I don't want you to do it to me. But like, I feel this kind of feeling that it's keeping her from maybe just fully embracing that energy from Cameron on the other side because he's so strong and he's such a, and I feel like like his organization and everything that they're going through and everything that they're building for him is so him and so what he would have wanted. So it's beautiful ways to connect. I just wish, I just have this feeling like if I was going to talk to her one-on-one, I'd say, What is that blockage inside of you and how can we let that go or how can we look at it? How could we see it? How could we, how could we acknowledge it first and then think about how we can move it to the side a little bit and let something else in. And sometimes when you're sad and you're grieving, it's hard to let something else in because man, when you lose a kid and I don't know this from experience, knock on wood, I just know this from reading people who've lost. It is a free fall and you never hit the ground. And it is something that I feel like she's absolutely terrified of. And I, there's zero judgment. Mm-hmm. How you deal with that is how you deal with that. I just have this want to reach into her and heal it or just make her see it. And so, yeah, it's it's a lot. Every time I look at her, I get very emotional because I feel like it's somebody that needs to hear some things but also doesn't want to because they're scared of the feelings that would come after, which yeah. I get. And I get that. So it's, it's just, it's a lot. And he's just such a sweet energy on the other side. And he's okay. I get that from him. And I get that he would, he loves that his memory is being used to help people and that his friends are supportive and all those things, how, how they carry his cause. Cause that would have been the most important thing to him.
1: Yeah. Then no, I mean, these people are speaking today because, I, I mean, I feel it over here. So yeah. I, just uh, just a quote that his uh, sister said about him, and, and then we'll go to, to the break. Um, we'll just go right to the break from that. He was perfect. He always said that if you have a voice, you have the privilege of using that voice for change. And he did not take that idea lightly. Oh, man. He understood his responsibility as someone so many kids would look up to. Cameron always went out of his way to be giving and kind.
0: Wow. It's summer and if you have kids, you know what? That summer's long. <laughs> it's a real it's a real long time. But you know what happens when we get a little passports package? Oh my gosh. I'm telling you, hours Hours my kids spend playing together, like it's out of some sort of beautiful storybook where children always get along. They'll sit there and play so kindly with one another, with these wonderful interactive toys and games and learning situations that are out of this world, out of the box interesting, Little Passports. Little Passports offers globally inspired, award-winning kits. Filled with hands-on activities, games, and stories. I mean, they do them all. All designed to spark curiosity and imagination among young adventurers and scientists. And I have a 7 and a 13-year-old. And they're both equally interested in each other's stuff and beyond. Each month Little Passports will send a kit packed with play-based activities, interactive crafts, puzzles, games, and stories to help kids have fun while they learn about the world around them. Whether building a solar-powered robot, we did it, <laughs> creating a Spanish mosaic, mosaic, or playing with animal friends in the Serengeti, kids ages 3 to 10 and beyond, because I have a 13-year-old, will love learning with little passports. Each kit contains activities that are perfect for their age and match to their interests, and they're so cute the way they come to you. And little passports makes the perfect gift for parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, godparents, and educators. Seriously, if you're wanting to send kids gifts and you don't know what they're into, they're into little passports. Choose from month-to-month, six-month, or 12-month subscriptions, whichever is right for you, and you can stop anytime. Share the world with your little explorers, with little passports. There's always something new to discover. So for listeners of the show... Little Passports is offering new customers 50% off your first month of any subscription when you go to littlepassports.com slash Aura and use promo code Aura at checkout. That's 50% off your first month of any subscription when you go to littlepassports.com slash Aura and use Aura checkout. That's littlepassports.com slash Aura and Aura at checkout. Hey, Scotty, we are talking about wild grain.
1: Okay, wild grain (laughs) has basically been the only ray of hope in my life (laughs) the past week. I've been eating the croissants nonstop, the sourdough bread, everything. I just eat it all. It's the only thing that makes me feel better. (laughs) And okay, I'm being honest.
0: <laughs> it's true. That is, he just had to come on and be honest. Yes. Well, remember, you know, when fat was bad with quotes in it around the 90s? And now it's back. Just like there's good fats and bad fats. I mean, there's good carbs and bad carbs. Enter wild grain, my friends. With their slow fermentation and clean ingredients, bread is back. Oh, thank Goodness, get ready to be a carbivore without the guilt. Start loving bread again with the clean ingredients and delicious simplicity of Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first bake from frozen box for artisanal bread. Plus they have amazing rolls, pastries, and even handmade pastas. Wild Grain uses only clean ingredients such as unbleached and non GMO flour and utilizes a slow sourdough fermentation process. that's better for you and tastes better than anything you can find in a grocery store. Prepare. To be wowed, I'm telling you. Plus, for every new member, Wild Grain donates six meals to the Greater Boston Food Bank. They've donated over 120,000 meals so far. Here's how it works. Sign up and choose which type of box you want to receive and how often. Then Wild Grain delivers for free a box of breads, pastas, and pastries with easy-to-follow instructions. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. Traveling? Freezer already stocked? No problem. It's easy to reschedule, skip or cancel. Hungry already? For a limited time you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com/kya to start your subscription. You heard me? Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash KYA. That's wildgrain.com slash KYA, or you can use promo code KYA at checkout. What is loss? What is grief? They really do go hand in hand. And yes, it's a part of life and it's a part of life that we all have to deal with in some way or other eventually. And many of you probably already have in a lot of different ways. There's just no right or wrong way to deal with it. So I wanted to focus on what loss is, what grief is, and how different aura colors deal with it. In readings, loss to me feels like a chunk got bitten out of you. And you can't ever fill it and you don't want to. But you have to learn how to live with that big old chunk missing from you. And nobody else sees it. (laughs) But you feel it all the time. There's just this big piece missing from you. And you go out, you go to the grocery store, you go run your errands, or you go see people and you you look okay. But you're not. And you don't want to show them that you're not. So you plaster on the smile. It's exhausting. And when you have loss, going back to who you were, it's both like what you want and also what feels most empty to you. So I think a lot of times with loss, it's coming to terms with the fact that you're not just mourning what you lost, you're mourning the version of you that went with that. And accepting that takes time. So I feel like that's part of grief the grieving process basically just the way i when i obviously in my work in my in my practice i get to read a lot of you who have had immeasurable loss and it's not just the loss it's the need now to reinvent yourself and that's a lot So, therefore, a lot of times after these losses, you end up shedding many things that used to, you thought, be corely important to you. Friends, jobs, living situations, hobbies. Sometimes your personality even feels like it changes. And and people will notice it eventually. And they either accept it and they stay or they don't. And they have to kind of move on. There are different types of losses, um, what I've noticed is you can't quantify pain. And I'll explain that more in a second. There really isn't anyone who can measure your pain or someone else's pain. So losing, I mean, just losing a pet, for example. People will try to minimize it. Oh, well, you know, he was a dog. He had a good life or you know, whatever. Or it's it's a dog. There is no pain hierarchy, that's what I've noticed with people, and something someone finds painful that you or others might find laughable, it doesn't help. So just like what I've learned in doing readings is you have to take your judgment out of people's pain and, uh, and out of people's conceptualization of what loss is. You just have to because... You can't measure it. You can't say yours is worse than his and his is worse than hers. You, I mean, you really can't. If somebody's really suffering and they really feel loss, that's, it is what it is. I mean, that's that's real for them. That's That's their reality. What I've noticed in life is that people will measure you and your loss by what they themselves have gone through. We all do it. I try not to, okay, like I'm making a conscious awareness. I'm sure a lot of you try not to, too. Um, But, I mean, I feel this so strongly in my readings because I know that it's an ego thing to do something like that. We'll take our pain and measure it against others. So if somebody's going through something that's similar to what we've been through or worse, we can tend to have more sympathy. And if it's less than what we've been through or, you know, we can feel very dismissive of it. And that's not all of us. I would just say that's kind of how the world is. And it's hard. But since most of you listening are probably highly sensitive people and empath types and empath auras, you're not doing this. But I know you understand what I'm saying. Unfortunately, and fortunately, I suppose, there are some losses. Everyone just collectively agrees because society says so. Um, some losses that are bigger than others. And because of this, you'll get more readily available, widely given sympathy. I mean, this is even in, you know, when you get a job, like, oh, who died? Okay, well, this is the amount of time you get off based on who died. Like, we'll decide what loss is for you. So a loss of a close friend, a death of a partner, spouse, death of maybe a classmate or a coworker. Somebody that you really love has a serious illness, you've had a breakup, death of a family member. I mean, these things, people tend to get easier. And then there's obviously other losses that have huge feelings of grief and, and upend people's lives, but they don't always get the, the sympathy and the support, like leaving you home, maybe got kicked out of your house or something like that, and you're young illness, loss of health. I think many of you might understand, oh, you have this diagnosis and people, people, they don't, they're not in it like you are. So you're not getting the constant sympathy or understanding or support if you're chronically ill or if chronic pain issues or something like that. Death of a pet, change of job, move to a new home. Um, Sometimes even like leaving school, like being in a transition period or all of a sudden you have a loss of a physical ability or a loss of a limb or a loss of financial security. You were fired or you went bankrupt. Someone swindled you out of lots of money. I mean, these things cause horrible feelings of loss and really kind of that same feeling of living life with a big chunk ripped out of you where, yeah, you look okay to other people, but you're not the same person inside and you know that. It's like going around and no one can see you. No one can see you and it's so isolating. And then to top it all off, if the reason why you're feeling this way is something people decide not to understand, that's even worse. There's also sudden versus predictable loss. So, you know, sudden losses are sudden. All of a sudden, you're in this horrific accident or all of a sudden somebody passes away instantly. There's no way to prepare for these things. And so on top of the loss, you're dealing with trauma and, you know, PTSD or whatever mental health crisis has come after on top of the medical issues or just the, like I said, the mental health issues. You can have lingering effects that people don't understand like anxiety or nightmares and then there's predictable losses. This is something where you know someone's perhaps going to pass. So you have this time to prepare for it or or you know like, okay, in three months you will not have a job anymore. You have this time to prepare for it or you know you're getting evicted in 90 days. Okay, I have this time. to. But it's the anticipation of that happening which can cause you a lot of feeling of grief and loss and then when it actually happens. So that's a twofold thing. I guess what I noticed is is people... In an attempt to try to make you feel better when you're going through something, they try to minimize it. Well, at least you, you know, oh, your dad's terminally ill. Well, at least you, at least you had time for closure. It's like, okay, but you know, it doesn't, like, there's no world where this is, you can make this better, put a little sprinkles on this, okay? Like, it, like I said, you can't quantify pain, so Trying to find silver linings when people do that for you, it can make you even feel more empty and isolated and pushed away from people and separated because it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm not supposed to be like 10% as sad as I am or something. All right. How long does grief last? You know, honestly, when I do readings, I mean, and this this gets me. I'll tell you because, like I say, I'm just a person and I'm just the vessel. And I'm an empathic, intuitive person, so I I when I do a reading for you, I walk into your reality. And grief I don't think grief goes away. Just speaking on I guess it's more just speaking on like what I've experienced in all my readings. I don't I don't feel like grief goes away. I feel like grief is something you learn to live with. I feel like grief becomes a companion you learn how to live with that big chunk taken out of you because you reinvent yourself and you move your life around enough that it accommodates for it. Because at the end of the day, that when that chunk is taken out of you, that's still the that's, that's still you. I mean, that happened to you and it's something that's part of you. You can't, you can't erase that with a big old eraser. Like, so when I read people, especially people who have had very profound, profound losses, it's always there. And it just takes the right photo to show up or just a moment or random and it comes back fresh as day one. And I just see people really learning to to deal with it learning to live around it, live around it. But you can't rush it, especially in the beginning, because you have to learn how to be able to cope with it as a part of your life now. I call it energy equity. I mean, we put energy in everything. Like anything you care about, you've put yourself into. Anytime you love somebody, it changes you corely. It changes your core energy. You put energy equity into a relationship. It's part of you now. It's part of your soul. Because you made that connection together. So if you lose somebody that you've made that connection with, you go too when they go. There's parts of you, it's like cutting out everything and, and it goes with them. And I know the cliche thing is when someone we love dies, a part of us dies too. But I feel that in my readings. like I feel that in people. So all the things you used to do and used to be and used to enjoy, they sometimes they just won't make sense anymore. And that's okay. And then our human selves come in, our ego and tries to make us feel guilty about it. Like, oh you're a bad mom now because you're not enjoying I don't know going to this park and you used to, you're distracted. Bad mom. No. You're just coping. And being honest about it and being vulnerable and speaking to it, it's okay. So we don't just mourn what we've lost. We end up having to mourn the part of us that went with it too. And then we have to learn how to live and reinvent ourselves. And then we have to learn how to move our whole life around to reflect it. So it's not just loss, it's change. And it's a lot for us. And I see different aura colors dealing with it differently. Now, because I'm doing aura color stuff, you know, you might relate to something that maybe isn't your aura color. That's okay. Because a lot of these things do tend to, I mean, sometimes your programming and how you were raised can have a lot to do with it too. But this is my general list. So you can kind of. See yourself maybe in it, because I try to pick out the nuances, like the real nitty gritty stuff that I see different aura colors doing when they're dealing with loss. And again, this could be loss of someone you love or a pet that you love. This could be loss of job, identity, money, home situation, relationship. I mean, you name it. So just think of like profound loss. Let's start with the red auras. Okay, red auras, they're the ones that are just going to get angry at life, which I always... I always kind of laugh at that a little bit. I mean, I don't, but I do. I do my, my sarcastic laugh at it a little bit because it's like, okay, like you're mad at what? <laughs> like the process of like, they'll actually get mad at their higher power. They'll get mad at life in general. Like what are these cycles of life and death? They're like, cause like because they can not control it. So they can get really mad at it. And you know, red, reds love to control things so they can get really just angry or or they get really into, well, that's not fair. How come she died and he didn't? She was a good person and this guy isn't. Like they'll make false equivalencies. Um, they'll try to bargain afterwards in their mind. They can get a real chip on their shoulder about it. And they get really angry. And reds, when they get really angry, they can be a little risk-taking. They can be a little harsh. They can be just a little bit like tough. They can just – their anger is easier for them to handle than their sadness, and isn't that right for all of us? Sometimes it's just easier to be angry at somebody than be sad and hurt at what happened, because being sad and hurt way less control. Being angry is an, is kind of a secondary emotion. It covers up, it covers up the deep hurt, it makes them feel like they're in control. They're angry at something. Green people, greens, I mean, greens. Let's start with green women, OK? Green women, because I don't know how society works or what have you, um, they don't check out as much as green men do with loss, But I've seen green women go on amazing like, trips and stuff in order to deal with it. So I'll see green women not check out, but travel and try to like escape a little bit when they don't want to deal with what's going on both green men and women but green men sometimes in a very unbalanced way or profound loss way they just check out completely like they're not answering the phone they're not calling friends and they're not doing it in a way like maybe other aura colors do it where they're like listen i'm sorry i've been a bad friend i just can't deal right now they're not doing it that way they're just like ceasing to exist or something so they just don't even connect at all they, they can seem a little robotic it's more a green guy thing green women are going to kind of be like hmm, all right I need to go refresh reset um greens greens they both have a tendency to isolate it's just I think green women communicate better about what they're doing than green men do sometimes and a lot of it is kind of running away from memories. It's like you just can't be around it right now. It's too much of an influx of sadness. It's too much going on that you have to see something completely different and kind of be with yourself to process it. Yellows. Yellow or is, they take control. So in any sort of, I guess, loss situation, They are usually the ones that are, okay, who do we have to call? What do we have to do? What's going on? Let me find the right doctor. You know, whatever the situation is, they find themselves, I don't know, at the forefront of it and being really amazing helpers. But they tend to do this to stay detached from it so that they don't have to feel it so much. They'll definitely put their emotions on the back burner. They're totally wanting to stay busy. And later, they can get a little anxious when things die down and it's time to really grieve then they have to face it and they weren't facing it they were just being busy so staying busy can get harder and harder and harder to do and then it you can just like hit them and that's hard i notice with yellows just talking about traditions let's say someone in your family died and oh, we always had christmas with them or we always had thanksgiving with them yellows are the type like they'll do one of two things they'll take over the tradition like i'm doing it now and they're very loyal to it or they'll reinvent it totally like this year, every year, we go, we go here together. No more the way we used to. We're going to do it this way now. But they'll kind of take control of traditions and put their own spin on it or get like very loyal to how it used to be, which I feel like people appreciate in times of loss. Um, Yellows yeah, are very stable people and they like to take that environment and make it stable for other people. Purples. Well, what do purples do when life gets hard? They're gonna self destruct. It's just what they do. Um, they can definitely take out, a, take it out on themselves. This is purple aura's way of feeling in control. So when the world falls apart, they're like, "Oh, all right, well, I'm going to." And then they like call my old boyfriend, or I'm going to. Oh, this looks like a great idea to drink all this tonight. You know, so they can kind of do that thing. They can have a. It's a hard time dealing with pain, so they can feel more in control if they act it completely out on their own selves, which is hard. Purples in general, especially when dealing with loss, they can feel very overwhelmed because they're not great at taking the next step. They're great at bombing things up and and definitely trying new stuff, but they're not always good at organizing the aftermath. So they can have a hard time concentrating. They can feel like they're going crazy purples, when they're dealing with a lot of loss, they're like, I think I'm losing it. But I have a theory. I have a theory. If you can express that you think you're losing it or you think you're going crazy, you're actually in great shape because that means that you have an awareness that something's going on and then you can take steps to to help yourself out, You know, contact somebody or whatever. And so if you're feeling that way, my theory is you're in good shape. Just go find the support because you're okay. I've been like that, so... Indigos. Indigos, obviously, isolate. They're a little bit better than the green isolation, the green guy isolation, in that they might even tell you, like, listen, because they feel bad, and they're like, I'm not isolate. It's not anything you're doing. It's, what, it's just what I need right now. They can feel very disassociated or numb. I get so many indigos being like, am I a bad person? Because this is somebody I, I love. Like My spouse died. I loved him. Why am I so numb? why do I feel like I'm floating in a bubble? Why am I not, why do I feel like my head is in a cloud and my body's just walking? What is wrong with me? And I'm sure I have some therapists listening or psychologists or psychiatrists that are like, this is, a, you know, it's definitely called something. I'm sure how people deal with trauma and loss. But I just noticed indigos can can do this. And a lot of it is I feel an energetic survival mechanism. That's my side of things. I feel like it's an energetic survival mechanism because you're so used to constantly feeling everything all the time. I mean, you feel if somebody doesn't like the restaurant, somebody else picked out and it's awkward for you. So how are you going to do with all those feelings on when you've experienced some incredibly profound loss? You're Your own self for self-preservation understands time to shut down. (laughs) Time to shut down. (laughs) Otherwise, we'll lose you. So there's nothing wrong with you. Feeling disassociated or numb just might mean you're taking time until you feel safe enough to go back to it and start working through it. Um. Also, indigos can have a very hard time with recreating, especially if somebody died, you know, traditions or or breakup traditions, anything they, they they need to do their own thing. They need. And oh, and indigos can feel very, very exhausted and tired when they're sad, just fatigued. Let me just sleep. I just want to sleep. And, and, and I'll just go right into blues because they're like they're going to feel that way too. Exhausted, fatigued. You have to be careful when you're dealing with loss and you're a blue aura that you don't make yourself sick because it's another way I will see blues. Indigos too, but blues the most, I'll see them making themselves sick, like physically ill. Like all of a sudden they have heart issues and autoimmune issues and nerve issues and they feel like they're dying and they really do have these symptoms. They're not making it up. It's not in their head. But it's because there's so much going on in their own grief that they take it out on their own bodies and their body. It starts spilling over in their physical symptoms and their bodies. Uh, Blues can also feel a little victimized. Like, why is life so mean to me? Why did this happen to me? Why? Why me? So they can get victimized. And they can feel guilt. Like, this is my fault. I mean, they're the first ones to be like, how is this my fault? Oop. This is how I mean they can blues are amazing out of all of the colors. Blues are pretty good at figuring out how this was their fault. It could be the most obscure <laughs> like it's what is that, six degrees of separation or something? Like a six degrees to how is this the blue aura person's fault? So they'll they'll sit there and build up that narrative and that story and then believe it. And also blue auras I know can feel very scared, very nervous, very scared, very insecure in this world after a loss for a very long time. Turquoises, turquoises, uh, you know, kind of back to the indigo thing. I, turquoises can get disassociated too when dealing with profound loss, um, just numb and disassociated. I feel like that's a turquoise thing too. Maybe less aware of it. Where an indigo will tell me like, "I feel a disassoci," I feel numb, and I like a turquoise might just be disassociated and be numb and not have the words to oh, like think that's not normal for them or something because turquoises have a hard time having a baseline for how they feel ever and they can feel kind of ignored especially in a family if something happened and everybody else is dealing with their stuff I feel like the indigo I'm sorry the turquoise aura can feel very you know second fiddle or people aren't paying attention to me or how I'm doing and they might not be they might not be um and turquoises tend to just kind of, I don't know, cave in, dip, disappear in themselves. Here's a story. Um, you know, I have a you know I have a turquoise daughter. And March 2020, when the stay-at-home orders were issued, Abby was four, and you know was in preschool. Loved her preschool, like really, just beautiful YMC. I used to send her there, and it was just like a lovely, pre- it's a great place. Oh, anyways. You know, to break it to her, like, you can't, you know, I don't think you're, at that time, we weren't sure, but it was like, listen, you're probably not going back. And a couple days passed, and then, like, I want to say, like, a week into the stay-at-home orders, Abby decided she was a cat. Okay. This is my turquoise kid. And she, and she wore a leotard. I mean, she put together a cat outfit, just from stuff around the house. And it was pretty good cat outfit. Um... And day one, okay, you're a cat. haha. Ha. All right. I mean, she's crawling. She's meowing. She's not speaking. Day two, same thing. Now she's signaling that she'll only eat, you uh, know, forks. She wants to drink out of a bowl. Uh, she's trying to signal she wants me to put on the floor. I'm like, no. Like, that's where I drew the line. <laughs> like, no, I'm not doing that. You got to eat at the table. You're not eating. Um, you don't need a fork, but you got to eat at the table. I'm not putting it on the floor. I mean, she, it was day three. I mean, she hadn't spoken for three days. It was just meowing. And she wouldn't take off the leotard at all. So there's like, I mean, this went on, I want to say for four or five days, I was actually getting really concerned. (laughs) It's funny now because she's fine. And, but at the time in my head, I was like, oh my, like, what's happening? (laughs) She's not, is she regressing? She's not speaking. I was afraid she was gonna start using the kitty litter. I mean, she was going full cat. Anyways, baby turquoise. I feel like when turquoises get in crisis, they don't always know what to do. So they're going to envelop themselves in something that feels safe and familiar. Pinks. Pinks. I mean, when dealing and coping with horrific loss, they do tend to go into their own escapism world. And they will put, it's kind of like when you used to go into your bed And put the blankets over your head and turn on a flashlight. And then you just really were convinced at yourself that nobody could see you and this was your special secret fort and you were safe in here. And that's what, but like that's what they do when they're adults. (laughs) So pink auras tend to just go right into their own world. Pinks can hold out to deal with loss until the very last minute. So something can be going on and they'll hold off, hold off, hold off. But when it hits them, it can be very detrimental to them because. You know, they love to live in a space that feels more in control for them and is happy. And so until they, real they I guess, balance the outside world with their inside world, they can go in their inside world for quite a while and then they'll eventually balance the two out again where they can exist in both. Just to wrap up the whole grief thing, I had a, a reading with a woman and she she had lost a child and... I guess just when I read that, when I read somebody who's lost a kid, and like I said, you can't quantify pain, but that's pretty profound, okay, for me when I read those. Whenever I know what, like, one's coming up on, on my reading list, um, I'm like, just because I can sense it, and then I'll open the photos that day, and I'm like, oh, boy, okay. Um, I'm excited to do it because, obviously, I love connecting, and making connections but it's also like okay it's heavy stuff anyways I had a reading with a woman she lost a child and spirit was giving and she was just like I don't know how to do this she had two other kids she's like I don't know how to do this and she just didn't and it was it was sometimes almost a year since her uh, child passed which isn't a long time but you know anyways spirit was patting her on the back and the message was you're here that's the accomplishment. You're here. You made it another day. You're existing. You did it. And they were giving her such a standing ovation. Like real. that was the energy I was getting. Just you did it. You, there's nothing else you have to do except exactly what you're doing. Every day you get up and every day you just do it. And that's it. That's all you have to do. And it was an amazing thing to feel because I think like in our heads, how am I doing this right? And she started crying and she said, I didn't know if I was doing this right. This makes me feel like I'm at least something. (laughs) I've done something right. So it gave her solace. And I, I feel like it's important just to close. This process of coping with loss is unique to you and it's not linear you can feel very stuck. It's kind of like walking through the woods. Everything looks the same until one day you're like, "Oh, all right, I made it to the end of the trail. You don't you don't know. You don't know when you're gonna see the light again, but you you just keep moving. It can feel like you're going in circles. It can just feel very unproductive. It can feel all those things. and that's normal. And it's really important to be patient with yourself in these processes. And it's really important to understand that nothing you feel is abnormal. And I feel like just what what I've taken from doing a lot of readings, because um, I'm trying to speak from spirit, not from my own life, okay, and what helps me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like what I get from spirit. And a lot of things that they try to give you as solace when you've had profound loss are to take... To take some sort of lesson from it and if somebody died to honor them somehow in a way that's positive, I talked about that on last week's uh, podcast episode, to do something that you wouldn't have done because of them. They love that. To do something amazing for yourself because something sad happened. Even this mom I was talking to who lost her, her child, she had made a really good friend. And they, they were praying together a lot. And, and she had found a beautiful friendship with another um, person who had lost their child. Just a beautiful bond. And, and it was a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful comfort to come out of such a horrible thing for both of them. But they had each other and they clung to each other. And it was really nice. So notice notice the good. Um, And also create, write, be honest when you write, be honest when you create, be honest when you draw or you make your garden or just do something productive with your hands that makes you connected to the pain inside and also makes you connected to the you inside. I get that a lot from spirit to do something that honors your pain and expresses it in some way. And obviously talking to people, obviously talking to those professionals and other people who've been there and support groups. And remember, don't don't quantify your pain and, and nobody can quantify your pain for you. Your loss is yours and you don't have to compare it to other people. It's your loss. It's your grief. It's your journey. And you've got this. Hey, Scotty. Hey, guys. So Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family, I'm going to be reaching out to you. I want to hear your stories, your stories of surviving grief and loss and your personal accounts of how it's changed you and how it's changed your life. And I'll put a post up on the Facebook group. And if you want to share, I always find these stories inspiring. And I feel like other people really get a boost and a feeling of, I guess, solidarity or comfort from them.
1: Yeah, and I also, actually, I do want to add a shout out to the Tuesday Night with Elizabeth discussion group. They're the ones that came up with the idea for the episode. They were really interested in this topic, and I told them we'll make it happen.
0: I love that. So, Scott, we discussed at the beginning of the podcast that the NASA photos and your existential crisis and all that occurred. I mean, how have you been dealing? Tell us tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's making me... Just make decisions <laughs> that I normally wouldn't make. Hmm, what okay, kind of so, decisions? Well, this morning, all we had to do was get Norman bedding at PetSmart.
0: Norman's our guinea pig. He's
1: our guinea pig. That's all we needed was just bedding right. for Norman. You know, that's, we ran out
0: of it. Yeah.
1: So you had a couple readings you had to do. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I was going to take Abby with me.
0: Our seven-year-old.
1: Okay. Now, little did we know... That it was a huge adoption day,
0: kitten palooza, kitten
1: palooza, <laughs> in the middle of PetSmart. I don't know where they have ten. How many? Abby, we have Abby here. Say hi, Abby. Hi. How many kitties were at PetSmart?
2: Like there were like five. <laughs>
1: like five <laughs> in one set in one enclosure. Okay. Yeah, yeah they, they had tons of cats. They had dogs. They had everything, and then there was a cat or kitten that Abby fell in love with. And look what
0: happened.
2: And what happened, Abby? Um well, I just really wanted it and then you just signed the contract.
0: <laughs> How did you convince Daddy to take that kitten home because he is out of the four of us. He's the one that always says no to cats and the rest of us are always saying yes to cats. How did you get a third cat out of Daddy?
2: Because I am his favorite. <laughs> Wait, yeah. wait, what?
0: What were you doing? <laughs> what, what were you doing with the cat? Did you not put him down or? Um,
2: well, I really saw him and I got to hold him. Oh. And I just hold him and he was like really sweet. And um, and then I just started to fall in love.
0: Oh, my God. And he's the sweetest cat. And then you text me, Scott. You're like, how do I get out of this? I'm like, you're crazy. I'm like, you put yourself in this situation I think it's a great idea to get a third cat. <laughs> like you are asking the wrong person. Get it, get it. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. You know, Abby. Yes,
1: it definitely is because of you. <laughs> you know, and how special you are. Daddy has two favorites. Yes, yeah. but <laughs> I mean, honestly, what? And this is pure truth. What went through my head at the time that because I, I did not want a third cat. There's, yeah, like I didn't want a second cat. I don't want a first cat. But it was like okay. What does it matter? Oh my God. We're trillions and trillions of miles, a speck of dust in the universe. What does it matter if we have a third category? Okay, not? this
0: is great. You just opened up how we all can manipulate you now. Okay. I want to go. This is the 50th <laughs> oh, no. anniversary oh, no. celebration at Walt Disney World. I want to go. And you said we couldn't go back for like five years. And now, well, can we go back this year? Well,
1: that would violate violate my red aura. <laughs> no, Scott, there's nebulas years, like seven
0: trillion light years away. It's, you know, why can't we go to Disney? <laughs>
1: What do you think, Abby? Disney? Yeah. Abby also said... that.
2: No, I want, like, a week in Disney and go to all, like, the parks. He'll
1: never do it. Okay, she also said that if I do get this cat...
2: And I'll just get a stroller and put myself in it. No,
1: didn't you tell me if you get this cat, then you're not going to ask for anything else? Yeah.
2: (laughs) All All right. right. But vacations i can ask for
0: all right i'll be putting binks as our new kitty's name we're officially crazy cat people i couldn't be prouder of us um for being crazy cat cat people um thank you so much for hanging out with us today this podcast is for you and about you and we're so glad that you spent some time with us